Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Mic Conversations of Hope. Well, this is going to be the last official episode in season one, and we are going to move on to season two here in a few weeks. The plan was that this episode was going to make it into season two, but I'll tell you what, after listening to it, I just really felt like this was something that we needed to share as soon as possible based on everything that's going on in our world. So in this episode, I've asked my pastor, Pastor Blair Hayward, to join me and share a little bit about what was on his heart. And he came up with this idea of fear, something that we all deal with to some level or another. And again, after this listening to this uh, episode, we just both decided it really needed to be something that we made available to you right away. So today is Monday, March 23rd, 2020. And we are in kind of this uh, weird space of coronavirus pandemic. And world seems to keep changing every day, at least here in the U.S. And I know across the world that it's having major repercussions on things like the stock market and people concerned about their health and safety and how this is affecting just our society with businesses closing down and everybody working remotely. And just those things and that change brings about fear. So we're going to jump right in and talk to Pastor Blair Hayward about fear. I want to thank Pastor Blair Hayward for being with us today. He is uh, going to share some insights into something that has really kind of taken over not just our country, but the world just recently. Um, We're talking about COVID-19 coronavirus, and it just seemed to be a fitting time to discuss our topic today. Um, So, Blair, thank you for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate being asked and invited to join in with you in the conversation. We are going to talk about overcoming fear today. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. I know we all experience fear in various ways, so it's something that's common to all of us. Um, I have a daughter that will not watch anything that's remotely creepy on TV, even if it's not a horror movie. (laughs) I'm with her. (laughs) And and, and in fact, we just um, we were just watching a movie yesterday and she got up and left. So it's it's funny to me that there is some fear that people find thrilling and they want to do it. They'll pay to do it. And then there's other fear that we just stay away from. What's your experience with fear? Yeah, I was trying to think of some things that I'm fearful of. Um, um, You know, you and I share in common our daughter being in sports. So it kind of takes Mm -hmm. me back and maybe you back when you were in sports. But, you know, I played baseball. So what brings fear is bases loaded, (laughs) two out, Mm. and it's your turn to bat. Bottom of the ninth. Yeah, or it's your turn, um, like I played shortstop, so what if the ball's hit to me and I mess it up? Yeah, So those fears of um, messing up in the uh, crucial situation in the game, and that can be paralyzing. Instead of freeing you up to use your abilities, it's you can get inside your own head, as you say, in sports. So um, that's one experience for me. Uh, Now, another thing is... You know, I, as a pastor, I do public speaking for a living. Yeah, right. And I tend to forget that people really have a fear of public speaking. 
So I'll say to someone, hey, why don't you come up and share that? And it's like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Was that natural for you? I think, you know, early on, I've always been in front of people. I win speech contests when I was in oh, wow. elementary school. You know, how did you do public speaking and that yeah. kind of thing? Um, it was nerve, nervous, but, oh, sure. you know, how you, if you're gifted in a certain way, it it's just like anything for some, anybody else. But I tend to forget that we all have different gifts. And so I say, oh, yeah, just go up and speak. And, but other people don't have those same gifts. So <laughs> um, that can be fearful. Well, I, I have to say, you know, just this past basketball season, we watched your daughter on the foul line in a really tight game in the very final minute. And she sunk both of her free throws. Yes. And I was pretty amazed because I'm thinking there are a lot of eyes in this place. There's a lot on these two shots. Mm-hmm. And she pulled him off. Yeah, I'm proud of her for lots of things. That was pretty cool. We were actually during this time we've been rewatching the basketball games. Oh yeah, on um, the the program, the huddle program. And so she even made a remark yesterday. I think we watched that game again, and she's like, "Oh, here's where I am freaking out." <laughs> so interesting. She may not show it. Uh, yeah, but she inside, didn't. We have that fear of don't mess up, don't mess up. Yeah, um, pretty amazing. You know, what do you think about this thought? I wonder if it's a matter of control. Like I can control, I'm putting myself in the situation. I'm, I'm in control of making the decision. Hmm. But I think sometimes things are more fearful when we are out of control. So I think probably what's in reality is we have the illusion of control in other situations. Um, but in a situation like we're in right now with people are fearful for jobs, health, um, livelihoods, futures, um, that's we're sort of along for the ride. We don't have a yeah. clutch on that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's definitely a part of what we're going through right now. Is that you know we turn to the medical professionals; they don't have a clue. We turn to our government; they don't have a clue. I mean, there's nobody really knows much about this. They call it a novel virus because it's a new thing. Nobody's got immunity. We don't have a vaccine and things like that. And I think that's a big part of the fear is we not only don't know what's going to happen, but as it pertains to health, but also, like you said, jobs, how that how that whole thing trickles down and affects um, so much. Just just a virus that's gotten out of control. Yeah. and, And there's also good fear and bad fear. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. So good fears would be things like when my kids are little, don't grab the pot on the stove and, you know, mm-hmm. we're boiling water, you know. Um, we, good fear would be, you know, teaching your children to stay out of the road. Right. Um, I think about, you know, the Bible talks a lot about having a fear of God, which is a, mm-hmm. it's kind of a mixed fear, a mix of, of reverence, but also uh, a holy fright, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, understanding his greatness and our own, um, how finite we are. So I think that, that that's part of it too. But yeah, there are good fears in life because fear can keep us from danger and death. Here's, here's a funny thing. Uh, when my wife and I, uh, many years ago, we went to the Grand Canyon, and uh, our oldest daughter was 13 months old at that time. But we have these two pictures, and it kind of displays our personalities and difference between me and my wife. So uh, Gina took my picture with our daughter, Regan, and I was right on the edge. Like I was sitting on a, a little um, uh, stone wall with her and the edge was right there and then the other picture is gina on the opposite side of the path 
um, uh, far away from the edge with with our daughter Regan. So it's interesting how different people approach that would be risk me. and fear and. Yeah, I definitely have a fear of heights. I can get up on my roof and everything. But um, in fact, when I was in Bible college, I, I worked for the airlines and we did the de-icing. So you're way up above these big jets and didn't bother me at all because I had a sense of stability. But um, you put me next to the Grand Canyon, I must take away from that. Bad things can happen. <laughs> bad fear. There's a lot of bad fear, too. Some bad fears uh, would be anything that keeps us from doing something uh, like you mentioned in, in baseball. And what if the ball's hit to me? You know, you don't want to mess up. Yeah, a couple of the things uh, in terms of bad fear is fear of people, um, otherwise known as people pleasing. Yeah. So we can be kept from doing the right thing because we're scared about what someone will think of me. Yeah. Um, and that really, it's kind of a backdoor way of uh, a self-idolatry where we um, value our own reputation, or our own comfort more than doing the right thing in God's sight. It's hmm. good. It can be very, um, it can get us off on the wrong track fear of people. Um, also fear is another, I guess another way of saying worry and worry is, you know, you can get paralyzed by it. And you think about even situations right now, you know, you can get in your own head and start thinking ahead to tomorrow and the days beyond, and you can get very fearful and full of anxiety when this evening hasn't even happened yet or tomorrow right. morning hasn't even happened yet. So right. why we got to really live in the moment. Now, that doesn't negate planning, but it's also saying, okay, you know, as, as a, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, so we say, um, Lord, I trust you to provide for me in those moments when I need it. Uh, otherwise, I can play these things out and I can really end up in despair. Yeah. And God doesn't want us to be people of despair because we have a tremendous amount of hope. Well, and you mentioned planning, and, and planning a lot of times can eliminate fear because we, we put things in place and we, we have a plan for the next week, and obviously we have to be flexible because things change. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's even scriptural is, is to uh, count the cost. Yeah, one thing, Mike, you mentioned about planning is we've been at our church, we've been studying through the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has uh, a big task ahead of him. God's called him to help lead the charge in rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Mm. And I think just kind of the broader scope of that story is the people are living in fear because they and their ancestors began to rebuild the temple and they succeeded at that and then they started to rebuild the wall but then there was some opposition to that and they were ordered to stop and then they just sort of got happy with kind of the mediocrity of life and say, mm -hmm. well, you know, the city at that time needs a wall for protection, security and all of that but they just stopped out of fear for the people who were around them. And that wasn't God's best for them, and God's name was not being proclaimed as it ought to the nations around them because uh, they were operating out of fear. And so Nehemiah was called to um, come and help them rebuild that wall. And he took some big risks of faith. He's talking to the king. And yeah. uh, there's in Nehemiah chapter 2, it talks about how he, when the king asked him what was wrong, it says he, and I prayed to the Lord. <laughs> so he kind of took this big gulp and uh, shot up an arrow prayer. 
and he, he made some requests to the king that he might have leave to go to Jerusalem and help rebuild the wall. And um, he asked for uh, letters to the governors in that region to prove to them that he had an authorization from the king to rebuild the wall. And then he also asked for materials to do that. And then he rallied the people and they were successful. So they really had to overcome fear in order to make that happen. And that story does highlight too, what can one person do to help rally people around them? I think maybe lots of them were saying, oh, I wish you could rebuild the wall, but I guess we can't. But one yeah. person had the guts to step forward and say, God has called me to this. That's right. Here's what we need to do. Will you join me? And then that rallied everyone around them. And not everybody was called to do what Nehemiah was called to do. Right. You know, I want to talk about, uh, you've got some great insight here in, in overcoming fear, talking about a passage in Joshua. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, we all face fear, and the Bible addresses fear many, 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 many times. Um, I think it's, uh, some say that, you know, fear occurs 365 times in the Bible, one for each day. Well, I looked it up, and that's not true. It's, it occurs over 100 times. That's a little bit of a Christian fable there, sensationalism. But um, it does occur over 100 times in the Bible, which if it occurs once in the Bible, it's important. So if it occurs 100 times, it's important. Sure. So if you think about lots of people who were in fearful situations and how did God greet them or an angel greet them, you know, fear not. Do not be afraid. And that's not, in most cases, it's not a command from God to just sort of um, pull yourself together and be courageous. It's not based on something within ourselves. It's based on who he is. Mm -hmm. So in the book of Joshua, and as we go through these examples today, I think it's helpful to note the context, what's happening mm. in their day. Yeah. So uh, Israel is getting ready to go into the promised land. They've had a leader named Moses for 40 years. I mean, he's a mainstay, everybody loves him, God is speaking to him, and now he has died and the people have to move on. So there's a basis for fear among the people. You know, if you think about great leaders that have been in any organization, you're like, oh, what, what's gonna happen when the new leader comes on? Right. What's it gonna look like? So then um, God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. That's a big deal. Moses is gone. Uh, this promise that um, Joshua is to lead them to is the promised land. This is a promise that was given back to Abraham. So there's a lot riding on this. This is a big deal. Yeah. You talk about coming up to the plate with the bases loaded, you know? Standing at the foul line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Exactly. Um, and so you're going to be the guy that leads the people in. And Joshua, yes, was mentored under Moses and was very active in leadership. But now it's, it's on him, uh, humanly speaking, to get them into the land. So God, in verse 7, Joshua 1, 7, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And then verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. All right, so Mike, what is God saying there to Joshua? What's he provided for him to help him with this leadership responsibilities? 
He says in verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on on it day and night. Yeah, so God has given us his word uh, to overcome fear, whether it's fear in a position of leadership or uh, even the people. Joshua's leading people. Let's not forget that. There's um, lots and lots of people behind him. And so they need to draw close to the heart of God and know who he is and what he does for his people who act in faith on his word. And so God is saying, follow my laws, follow my word, and it will direct you in the right path. And then verse 9, this is a probably more well-known to people who are listening. God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I I would hope that it would help all of us to know, especially those of you who've put your trust in Jesus Christ, to know that um, the reason that we don't have to tremble or to be in despair is because the Lord our God, our Creator, uh, the covenant-keeping God is with us wherever we will go. That's a comfort. Yeah, that gives us, uh, helps us to overcome fear. Yeah. Um, You know, you you and I, we're in a men's group. We've been studying some doctrines together. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the eternality of God. So, you know, uh, I get fearful of going new places, you know. Sure. I've never been there before. What's it going to be like? Are people going to accept me? Um, But God has been everywhere instantaneously because he's eternal and he's omnipresent and so just because i haven't been through a situation like this before that does not mean that god is not and there's been generation after generation after generation of people who have been through things that are a lot worse uh, than what we have gone through and are going through or will go through and god is faithful in every single generation you've labeled this section overcome fear with faith and uh, this is a great example of why it's so important um, to continue to grow in our faith because this i mean this is really just that last verse that you said everybody uh, knows joshua 1 9 have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go i mean um you, you know, a lot of people do, but you could put that on your wall and look at that every morning. And really, that kind of arms you to go through the day and just go, God, you know, whatever happens, I know you're here. I know you're with us. Um, yeah, in times comfort. of fear are times for us to put our faith into action. Yeah. Do we really believe yeah. what we say we believe? Um, you know, I, I preach this stuff every week, so do I really? It's easy to dispense it to other people. This is where the rubber meets the you road. You live it out. Yeah. And will you have faith? Will you trust me moment by moment, God says, in all that I have um, displayed myself to you as and gotten you through? Will you trust me in this? And so that's where, where faith comes in and i want to emphasize it's not a faith it's not a blind faith you know like believing in you know purple monster in the air it's a faith that's based on god's track record right yeah um of what he's done joshua's situation he had seen um god move the waters the red sea he'd seen god supply for the people in the desert manna every day um and so 
now going into the promised land, it's not like he hasn't got any uh, credentials to believe God for. Yeah. So if he was with me in past times, he will be with me uh, now, and I do not need to fear. I will step out in faith. We've also seen some times of panic here. One that's kind of comical is, uh, you know, if you go to the grocery store, probably even today, there's no toilet paper on the shelves. Probably not. People are panicking over Mm -hmm. toilet paper Mm -hmm. and other things. In fact, we went yesterday grocery shopping because we needed to, like we normally do. And I was amazed at the shelves that were empty and what was supposed to be on those shelves. Kind of just makes you think what what the priorities are for people that are grocery shopping. Um, Clearly, though, there is a type of panic. It may be controlled, sometimes not. What does God's Word say about panic when we are sitting in this environment in these uncertain times and we start hearing the news of all the things that could happen and we get that panic feeling? What does God have to say about panic and overcoming panic? Yeah, I think... Just a practical note, not that what else I'm going to say isn't practical, but um, part of what feeds panic is the environments that you're in. And if you're constantly listening to the television mm, and, yeah. and so on and so forth, you can become very panicked. Now, um, faith is not the opposite of planning, uh, nor is um, just because you're, uh, doesn't mean you can't plan right. for things. Right. Um, so I want to be clear about that. But if you're in an environment where you're just constantly listening to the media and um, you can just spiral out of control. And our leaders, I think our leaders are doing a great job here in Ohio in terms of uh, appropriately sounding the alarm. Say, let's not take this lightly. We need to be people who um, are proactive about this to try to stop the spread of this virus. And I think that's great. Uh, but if you're just constantly feeding your mind with alarming mm. messages, yeah. and there's, especially in our isolation, you've got no one to help keep that in check. You're not getting any other um, balancing messages. Uh, left to ourselves, we can become uh, panicky people. Yeah, Where we lose hope, where we forget God's sovereignty, where we forget faith and the comfort of God and the presence of God in the midst of this. So I want to take it to Philippians because um, our church just went through the book of Philippians last fall. I kind of wish we were entering into it right now (laughs) again. Um, But in the book of Philippians, um, the Apostle Paul is the one who authored that letter. And Mike, help us out. Where was Paul when he was writing this letter? He was probably on a beach somewhere um, Mm -hmm. under an umbrella, sipping on a, I don't know, whatever they drank back then. That's right. It's a completely irrelevant (laughs) message to anything that's going on today. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was in prison. He was in a Roman prison. He was not in a prison that had cable television either. Um, He was under house arrest and chained to guards and was dependent upon the uh, donations of fellow Christians Mm -hmm. to be fed Um, to be visited, and all of that. And so given that context, Paul, and and he's also on death row. He's awaiting, he's appealed to Caesar, he's awaiting to see the emperor to find out whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. Now in this particular instance in Ephesians, or sorry, uh, Philippians, he is hopeful. He doesn't know 100%, but he's hopeful that he's going to get out this time. 
Uh, there was another imprisonment a few years later where he did not uh, get out. He was beheaded. And so on this particular one, though, uh, he was released. But given the fact that he's in prison and is going through all of these difficulties, the book of Philippians is it's remarkable. It's amazing. He mm. writes over and over again, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then when we get to chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, does, does that sound like a guy who's in prison, at least in typical fashion in our day? I don't know that I could have handled it quite as well as Paul did. Yeah, I wonder what other pressures he's facing. Oh, you know, my goodness. Concerned about um, fellow Christians and churches and what what's ahead for me, um, but doesn't really seem to come across that way at all. Well, in fact, you mentioned, you know, um, being fed. I mean, I'm sure the prisons back then weren't like they are today where they get us, you know, three square meals a yeah, day. Yeah, get mean, your lunch tray. There were things that he had to personally be concerned about himself, and yet he was looking out past all of those things, and he was concerned about all the others you were just mentioned. Yeah. And so back to your original question, how do we deal with panic? We need to turn our panic into prayer. And the very – be anxious for nothing – Again, this is a man in prison who's awaiting his death. Um, if you have other parts of this story, if we have an eternal perspective like Paul did, he, he had trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. He, he, he knew that Jesus came to offer eternal life and forgiveness for those who will trust in him. So back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, uh, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul is saying, whether I live or die, it's a win-win situation. If I, if I am beheaded and I go to be with Christ, that's better by far, Yeah. verse 23. And um, if, if I stay here, this will mean fruitful ministry for me. That's how he ends verse 21, back in chapter 1. So with that perspective, then he can write in chapter 4, verse 6, don't be anxious for anything. Don't let your heart be troubled. Instead, t turn that anxiety into prayer. Turn that panic into prayer in everything. You can pray about it. You can turn it over to God. And don't forget to give thanks in the mm. midst of it, he said. Now, how do you think, Mike, how do you think Thanksgiving might uh, sort of give our minds a good detour from where they're going to these days? Oh, wow. I, you know, on, on social media, I've been seeing a lot of that um, to be thankful for what we have. And, um, you know, people saying well, there's always worse situations. But I think really it, it helps us to understand how blessed we are, how God has richly blessed us for in the United States of America, we are richly blessed and we don't even really know it. But I think if we're thankful for what we have, the panic, the situation that we're in can seem a lot smaller. Yeah. And I think we keep things in perspective. Yeah. Um, I think, um, and I don't know if you or others will agree with this, but I'll say it anyway. I think what we're experiencing is sort of the suspension of our luxuries. Hmm. not our necessities yeah and so it hurts when i can't have all of these extra luxuries now i think luxuries all all good things come from god to enjoy but if we don't keep it in proper perspective uh, we can despair uh, over things that we ought not i think if some of the people 
and I don't want to get too spiritual here, but uh, I think it brings some perspective. If you've ever been, I mean, you work with an adoption agency. I've been on mission trips. Others have too. Mm-hmm. You know, the safety nets we have in our society are a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other societies, you know, what what is the pain and suffering that's happening right now there? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll look at this in a little bit, but give us this day our daily bread is actually uh, a true prayer for most of the world where we are saying, Lord, thank you for the bread that I have stored up for a few weeks, which is good too. But we have to keep things in perspective. If we have, Paul says in First Timothy 6, if we have food and, and covering with these, we shall be content. Yeah, so turning our panic into prayer. And then last thing I'll just emphasize in verse 7 is that when we turn our anxiety over to God in prayer, it's an exchange. We get to exchange anxiety and he gives us his peace. Hmm. So God gets the garbage <laughs> yeah, and we get um, the gold uh, because of that. And so, and he said in verse seven, he, it's, it's beyond your comprehension what type of peace God gives and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so that's, you know, guarding your mind going forward. So I think prayer is very important and it's not just a, you know, a last second shot. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, this is what we're to do. Be people of prayer, turning our anxieties, our fear and our panic over to God, uh, giving thanks and then receiving his peace and moving forward in that. So you talked about uh, overcoming your fear with faith and we saw that that Joshua was to have God's word on his lips and in overcoming panic, uh, Paul's in prison. And, you know, if we can take God's word and combat the fear and use prayer to overcome the panic, um, you know, we're on, we're on a good track. And then you, you mentioned the third point of, uh, and, and you've already alluded to it, was the worry. Uh, we can worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or, you know, a year from now. And you've got something to say about that as well, or God's Word does. Yeah, I think Matthew chapter 6, I can remember my grandmother, uh, Mabel, Mabel James, Grandma James, she was a, a worrier in the family. She had a, a, a private faith about her. So one day I read to her what I'm going to read now, Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus has to say about worry. And when I concluded it, I remember my grandma said, I know, I know. <laughs> we all know, right? Yeah, we know. It's a good reminder. So this is probably just a reminder for all of us, but it's a good reminder. And I, uh, another powerful moment, Mike, um, when I was back at the church where I served in Michigan, there was an 18-year-old named Nathan. And Nathan was an up-and-coming star, you know, athlete. He was an ROTC guy and um one day coming home from an ROTC, I think physical, on his way back to his first year in university, he got in a car crash and died. Hmm. And Nathan, it was just a complete shock to our church family and our community. He was so popular. He lived out his faith as a Christian, but it was just a shock to us. Yeah. And so the funeral, I think the funeral had like 800 people at it. Wow. And so when we went to the graveside, uh, Pastor Phil, who was the senior pastor I work with, at the gravesite, he read these this this passage from Matthew chapter six, and it just really struck home um, uh, about what we really ought to be concerned about. And so, here's just a portion of what Jesus um, said there: Matthew six uh, twenty five through thirty four. He says, "For this reason, I say to you." 
Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how do those words strike you in our current situation? Well, you know, we we mentioned uh, in one of our meetings not long ago um, something similar. And um, if God cares for the birds of the air, um, how much more will he care for us? I think that's uh, one thing to keep in mind is if we are followers of Jesus, um, we shouldn't need to worry about those things. Talks about the flowers. Again, God made us in his image. And um, how much more valuable are we than you know, the birds or the flowers of the field. Yeah, God cares for all of his creation. And make no mistake about it, we are his creation. Mm -hmm. uh, but humanity being the crown of his creation, if he cares for the lilies, if he cares for the sparrows, Jesus is saying he will also care for you because you are of much more value than they are. Yeah. Now picture Jesus, he's not in a classroom somewhere. He's walking through the countryside with his disciples. And, and as people as he's speaking to this. So he's pointing to lilies and pointing to birds. Yeah. And we're heading into spring, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, we have, I've heard robins outside and the, I see my day lilies are starting to, mm -hmm. um, to grow. And so, you know, we see all these, these, these pieces of creation that God takes care of. He says, don't worry about anything. God will take care of your necessities. He'll provide exactly what you need. But we're to focus on God's kingdom. We're not to be chasing. And I think that's part of, as I'm processing what we're going through too, that God is or going through this time is taking away our luxuries. Because it's, you know, we went through basketball season together. That's that's fun. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good, but it can be a distraction. Sure. Um, any electronics we get are fun, but they can be a distraction. Uh, my investments can be a distraction. My travel plans can be a distraction. Again, we receive those as God's good gift, but if they become God in my life, then when it gets taken away, it's gonna hurt a lot more. But when I put my trust in the one who never moves and is always faithful in his kingdom, then, um, then I know I'll be stable and steadfast in the midst of everything we go through. And he says, if you seek my kingdom first, verse 33, I'm gonna give you all these things. So seek after me first and I'll take care of these things. Yeah, I think that's part of, of the worry right now uh, for a lot of people is investments, retirement, things like that, and we see that collapse. So um, are you saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry about retirement? We shouldn't worry about our stocks um, that have 
taking a dive and uh because that that's our future right retirement is uh is what's going to be there when i'm done working perhaps which is closer for me than it is for you <laughs> perhaps <laughs> perhaps um yeah i think part of it too let let's think through the israelites in the desert okay manna every single day mm, yeah I got what I needed for today. <laughs> and so as we think through retirement, you know, I'm saving for retirement also. I think there's great wisdom in that. There's other scriptures about um, setting aside in times of plenty so that you'll have in times of uh, not so plenty. That's wise. Mm -hmm. But it also comes down to there's got to be a trust in our Father all along, but then certainly in those moments to provide for us. Um, so, you know, retirement is, is good to have. Um, but it's it's not our God at all. Um, and so again, it comes down to trust and faith. You think, what do we know about Jesus and the assets that he owned? He uh, never mentions carrying around a suitcase or a wagon with all of his stuff in it, does he? No. In fact, uh, there's a passage that talks about him not even having a, a place to lay his head at night. Yeah. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great example. We do, I mean, we live in the world. This has been my struggle probably all through life as we live in the world, but we're not of the world. Yeah. And so we do need a job to sustain us and we do need uh, to plan and, and retirement and all those things. Um, but if we take our eyes off of Christ, then all of a sudden those things really is where we're putting our faith. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is all the things that we kind of relied on, all the things that we were trusting in are are being shaken. Yeah, that's a great word. And I think that, you know, we've we've seen, I think on social media is, is a good place where people are kind of just sharing their thoughts and their feelings. And I think that we're seeing that people are realizing that and they're they're reconsidering what really is stable, just like you said. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and this I think this is sort of on the same subject. That's how I came to know Christ as my Savior. Is I, I did not grow up as a Christian, but I came, um, I'm from Canada originally, I came to play baseball in the United States, and baseball was my God. I wouldn't have said that to you at that point. I didn't sure, know yeah. this whole God talk, but that's what I worshipped. You know, we, you know, practices and games on the weekends, we didn't go to church or anything, but when uh, my first, my freshman year of college playing baseball, baseball did not go as well as it always had. And the, the foundation of my life began to crumble beneath me. And I could feel it. Hmm. And I began to realize if I'm going to build my life on this, something's got to change. And so my solution was to actually just take more control of things. When I came back from my sophomore year, I thought, I'm going to make my baseball year go well. I'm going to make my social life go well. I'm going to make yeah. my school year go well. But then I got invited back uh, to a church that I had attended for a few months in my freshman year of college and then um, heard the gospel message again that Christ died for my sins, that he accepted me right where I was and um, wanted, to, wanted me to follow him. And so it was the tearing away or the taking away, the crumbling away of my baseball that caused me to look up and say, I need someone, something, I didn't know what it was. Maybe I'm not as big of a hot shot as I thought I was. And so God uses this shaking, that's why I love that word, to help us say, you gotta build your life on an eternal foundation, hmm, yeah. not on a temporal one. 
um, because Jesus is that eternal rock, if you will, to build our lives on. That's good. One other thing I'd like to point out about um, replacing worry with worship is the Lord's Prayer. You know, the Lord's Prayer has been going through my mind and heart recently quite a bit. And as I've been doing some speaking or Facebook video or whatever, I've, I've been sharing it. But it, it also tells us to replace worry with worship. So Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means, um, God, may your name be recognized as holy throughout the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, part of what I've been guilty of and probably most of humanity is guilty of is building our own kingdoms. Mm, And that's Jesus' call of discipleship is would you abandon your own kingdom, your temporal kingdom, and come and follow me to build the eternal kingdom? But Lord, would your your kingdom will be done on this earth, not mine. And then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's kind of something I've been praying over and over again. Lord, help me find contentment in the supply that you give to me today. Because I don't know, maybe it's most men, but you know, also being a leader at church, I feel like I'm responsible for future planning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it being, you know, fathers in our households and husbands, you know, what what's the what's the horizon looking like for our family? And so well, I think we're being forced to just say, Lord, you're the father. Give us this day our daily bread. And so replacing that worry with worship. Lord, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Work out your will in this situation that is, in my view, not ideal at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, God God is sovereign. He brings good out of evil circumstances. And so we trust him for that. Overcome fear with faith. Overcome panic with prayer. And overcome worry with worship. I'm going to put the uh, those passages of Scripture in the show notes so you can refer to those. I really hope this was helpful. I know it's even helped me. Uh, it's been kind of a hectic day, and I've uh, I've found myself trying to uh, control things that I know are out of my control. So this has really been a, a blessing to me as well. I hope it was for you. Certainly, there is a lot of fear, panic, and worry in our world today, and I think even aside from coronavirus, um, it's still there. Yeah, uh, what I would like to to say, and I think this is what life really boils down to is it it boils down to who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mentioned part of my story, you know, building my life on baseball and my selfish and foolish pride in my youth. But God really used the crumbling of my, my foundation that I built my life on. He used that to open my eyes and open my heart to him. And there was a Bible verse that I was reading and would refer to often uh, before I put my trust in Christ. Matthew 10, 39, it says, Whoever wishes to save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his uh, life for my sake will save it. And what Jesus is saying is, will you abandon your temporal kingdom in your own pride? And will you leave that behind? And will you put your trust in me? 
as your Savior and your Lord, and you will find life, true life, what life is really all about, an abundant life that only He offers. And when we put our trust in Christ and follow Him as Savior, He offers you a life that is not possible apart from Him. We all need forgiveness of our sins. He offers that. And we all need a leader who will lead us to truth, and that's who Jesus is. And I would like to end with uh, Luke 12, 32. If you've put your trust in Jesus, um, I pray that these words would minister to you. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And Jesus is reminding us that God is our shepherd, we are his sheep. He is our Father, we are his children. And he is our king, and we are citizens of his kingdom. And those are really anchoring truths when the waves of the world are crashing against us. That's great. Blair, I want to thank you again for joining us. Um, hopefully we can have you back soon. And um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we close in prayer? We don't normally do this, but um, that was an instruction that you gave us to overcome panic. So how appropriate would that be? Immediate obedience. That's Absolutely. <laughs> God, we just come before you. And um, Lord, you are holy. You are our rock. You are the stability in our life. And Lord, we recognize that this time that we're in uh, is full of uncertainty. And certainly fear and panic and worry can set in. But God, we today choose to lean on you, on your word, to pray with faith that you care about us and to overcome worry by worshiping you and trusting in you. And God, I pray that you would be with each and every person listening and that you would uh, just help them to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again to Pastor Blair for joining me today and talking about this really important topic. I hope that this helped you. I hope that this helps you to sleep better at night. I hope that it provides some insight into God's Word that will allow you to have peace even during these troubling times. If it did, do us a favor and please share this. Share this on social media. I think this is a message that so many people all around the world need to hear right now because this didn't take God by surprise, and we're going to get through this. I believe that Pastor Blair's message of overcoming fear with faith, overcoming panic with prayer, and overcoming worry with worship is something that we can all use. So until next time, stay safe. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>